Today we are kicking off a brand new series. Anybody excited about this series? Relationship goals and uh, man, I just, we've been talking about it now for months and I'm just thrilled to have you here. I really believe over the next five weeks, God's really gonna speak to us in a powerful, powerful way in this series. If you're new here, we wanna welcome you again. Tell them how glad, so glad you're here to join us on this series. I really feel like you're gonna get some great things out of it. Uh, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. We're gonna talk about dating. We're gonna talk about marriage. Uh, we're gonna talk about what it means to be single. We're gonna talk about sex a little bit. I promise you we'll keep it PG, PG-13. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it clean. And, uh, but I think it's important for us to talk about all the aspects of relationship. I mean, you know, we need to talk about some communication. We need to talk about how to fight fair. Anybody know it's not whether or not you fight, it's whether or not you fight fair. Uh, then we need to talk about some things like how do you fair proof your marriage? And so the thing that I've been working on in this series is that no matter what the topic is for that Sunday, I'm gonna make it applicable for singles or married people. And so I just want you to make sure even if it's kind of a singles day, Man, get your heart open and, and ask God to speak to you because I think it's going to apply to each and every one of us. And in this series, one of the things I want to do is I really want to dispel some myths. I want to correct some bad thinking that has led people down the wrong path. Uh, and I want to look at relationships really in the perspective of Christianity. Uh, we're going to dive into the Bible and we're going to let the Bible be our guide. You, you know, that's, that's what we're searching for in this series. We don't need to know what the world thinks about relationships. I mean, that's already something that's very obvious. I mean, you know, if you watch TV, if you watch movies, if you listen to the radio, if you listen to Spotify, we already know what the world thinks about relationships. And if you look at it, it's really left our society in a mess. I mean, divorce rates at an all-time high, dysfunctional families, marriages that are falling apart, relationships that they, they can't seem to cope because they're so dysfunctional. And really what we have seen is that people start to give up on relationships altogether. Uh, they don't know if there is a way to have a relationship that functions correctly and in a healthy way. And, and what I have found as well is a lot of people don't even know where to go to look for help. But thank God we do. Uh, we know that it's God. We know that it's the Bible, that the church ought to be the place where we can find answers to tough questions that we have in our life and help us live with godly relationships. And, you know, the problem is everyone wants love. And uh, once they find it, they don't know how to keep it. And they definitely don't know how to cultivate it. And so it tends to fall apart in their lives. And, you know, if someone say, well, why, why do we have such a hard time with love? The, the truth is nobody really knows what love is. You know, a lot of people think that love is a feeling, that love is an emotion, that, that we're going to have some chemistry, and that's, that's what love is all about. But how I many know love is not a feeling, love is not about an emotion. It's nice to have those things, but how I many know love is a choice? Everybody say choice. It is a choice. And so we've got to learn that in our lives. And then look, once you choose to love someone, how do you keep it? How do you cultivate it? How do you make sure that it grows and that it doesn't wane? And so we're going to really hit some of that in this series. Uh, and I believe part of it is, look, in regards to relationship, we've grown up with a lot of bad information. 
You know, it started at the early childhood stages of our life. I mean, really, you can look at Disney as one of the culprits. Come on, somebody. Uh, anybody ever watch Disney uh, as a child? You know, my girls love Disney. My boys, they like it. They're getting older, so they won't really admit it now, but they loved it when they were little. And you know, you got those stories like Rapunzel, you got Beauty and the Beast, you've got Cinderella and Aladdin. How many have ever seen any of those? And, and they're amazing, but the problem is they're fairy tales. The problem is they're not reality. The problem is they don't represent what life is really all about. And at the end of the book, which my little girls have this book about all the fairy tale stories, all the princesses, and it's so amazing, we'll read the stories. And at the very end, you know, the guy, the girl, they always get together. And then we all read, and they lived. How many know that is just false, false, false? Like, it's crazy because when you read these books, like they just got together. That's not where the story ends. That's where the story begins. That's where all the hard work begins. That's where the commitment begins. That's where the choice of loving each other begins. But we grow up with this sense of, look, if I find the right person and we fall in love, love is enough. Can I tell you, love is not, it's not enough. There are a lot of people that really loved each other, but now they ended up divorced. See, see, because they based it on, well, if we find the right person, right? If I, if I find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, then everything in my life will make it. And somehow we're going to live this magical fairy tale life of living happily ever after. And so one of the things in this series that I want to tackle is how do we find love? How do we keep it? How do we cultivate it? How do we really say, God, I know you brought us together because look, you, you say, well, I'm looking for the right person. How do you know who the right person is? The right person is whoever you married. Come on, somebody. somebody said, well, pastor, I got married and I don't even know if I married the right person. I said, well, did you sign the marriage license? Yep. Awesome. You found the right person. That's it. Come on. I mean, that's it. The end of discussion. There's no more conversation. The right person is the person that you chose to marry. And so this morning, I really want to talk about, and, and I find it interesting, how do we cultivate the characteristics in our own life? And then how do we look for the right characteristics of the person we should marry? So we go into marriage, it's, it's very funny and interesting how blindly we go into marriage. You know, when you ask someone, hey, what are the qualities and the characteristics you're looking for in a spouse, in a soulmate, in someone you're gonna spend the rest of your life with? I've heard this many times, I don't know, but I'll know it when I meet them. Like, can you, quant, like, can you talk about it? Can you tell me, no, no, I, I don't really know what I'm looking for, but I'll know when I know. Well, how are you gonna know? Chemistry. I mean, no, you can have chemistry with thousands of people. That ain't meaning that that's the right person. What we gotta do is we gotta go on the hunt for the right qualities, number one, to develop in our own life, but number two, to look for in the life of someone we're gonna spend the rest of our lives with. I mean, here's what I find interesting. Most of us, if I were to ask you what characteristics you look for, you probably couldn't list them in a person, but if I asked you what kind of a house you wanted to buy, You'd be able to tell me, oh, it's a, it's a two-story house. We got four bedrooms. I want not two bathrooms, but three just to make sure. 
I want this color paint. I want granite countertops. I, I want this kind of carpet. I want two, three car garage. And so you can list out all the things and amenities you want in your home. Maybe you go out to buy a car. You know the make and the model. You know the interior color, the exterior color. You know all the features. You even know the sound system that you want in your car. But if you were to ask about a future spouse, you'd say, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is, number one, not just what to look for for all the single people. Come on, somebody. Whoop, whoop. Got any single and ready to mingle? Okay, we're going to meet at the hub after service. We got a little cafe. Come on. Hey, if you ain't going to meet them in church, where are you going to meet them at, right? Come on, somebody. Hey, your pastor ain't scared. Let's play match.com, somebody. It's all good. Then Pastor Brian will marry you. It'll be good. I'll, I'll set you up, they'll marry you, and then you can come to church and have babies and grow the church. Mm. It's going to be awesome. So, so what kind of qualities are we looking for? But for all the married people too, look, it's not just what we're looking for, it's who we ought to become. Who do I need to become? And, and some qualities and characteristics that I've got to ask God to keep helping me to build in my life. We're going to go into the Song of Solomon. Uh, chapter 1, verse 2, and we're going to talk about this. Uh, this is where we find Solomon and a Shulamite woman, his wife. Uh, they have been married for some time. It's a lover and her Lord. And what we see is they are reflecting about the qualities that as a married couple drew them together before they were married. So it's a great picture for us to see what kind of qualities we need to develop and what kind of qualities we need to be looking for in a future spouse. In verse two, it says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Come on, starting to get a little hot and steamy. Who knew the Bible had all of this in it? It's just, I was reading it, Phyllis was like, come on, baby, what? For your love is more delightful than wine. And then it goes on in verse three, it says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes, your name, everybody say your name. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Now back in this time, perfume was very rare. It was very expensive. And this would have been purified oil. Now, what was even more rare than this was people taking baths. So back then, when you couldn't take a bath, what you would get would put on some expensive perfume on your body so that others wouldn't suffer from the stench of you not taking a bath. And so it's important, look, she says, look, your name is like this oil, it's like this fragrance, it's, it's so very rare, it's expensive, it's costly. And so what she's really telling him is, look, your godly character is so valuable. Your godly character is what I recognize is so rare. And so when we see their lives, they recognize godly character in each other. So look, when you're becoming the right person, you need to have godly character. When you're looking for the right person, how I many know you need to have some godly character? And so the Shunammite woman, she says this about her man. She says, no wonder all the young women love you. Now, isn't that interesting? She, she didn't say it's because you're a hottie with a body. Hmm. <laughs> because you look so good. No, no, no. She's not even talking about looks. She's talking about the character that this man has in his life, that, that this man loved God, that this man pursued God, that people understood that he lived a God-first life. He was sold out and he had character in his life. And so we've got to be careful to understand, look, your reputation and your character are not necessarily the same thing. 
Your reputation is what people think about you. Your character is who you actually are. So your character, so, so when you are by yourself, what do you do? Do you do the right thing or the wrong thing? When you don't think anybody's watching, when you don't think anybody will ever find out, do you flirt with that person you know you shouldn't flirt with? Do you do that thing you know you shouldn't do? That's all based on the character of your life. If you have character, you're the same person in public as you are in private. So we want to develop this godly character. Look, if you want a godly marriage one day, you have to live a godly life today. So look, I want a godly marriage one day. Good, you gotta live a godly life today. That's where you start. You start with developing godly character. And as a pastor, look, I got a lot of single girls that have said, look, pastor, I want a Christian guy. But the problem is I seem to attract the wrong kind of guy. It always happens to me. I tend to attract that guy that only has one thing on his mind. Any ladies know what I'm talking about? What I would say is this, and very respectfully, that if you don't like the kind of fish you're catching, maybe you need to change the bait you're using. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to meddle, I'm not trying to step on toes, but if you're only attracting one type of guy, you've got to look at where you find it. Look, if you're up in the club twerking, I'm not going to twerk, but you know I can. I'm not gonna do it, baby. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just, I was gonna say some inappropriate things. Probably get away with it in the relationship series, but I'm not gonna do it. You're attracting the wrong kind of guy, you know, that's only got one thing on the mind because it's where you find, you can't go find the guy in the club and bring him to church on Sunday and wonder why there's a problem. Right, I mean, I believe in God saving the lost, but missionary dating doesn't work. Like, I didn't call you to the mission field of the club. You want to go to the mission field, we'll send you to Africa. We'll send you to Haiti. We'll send you somewhere where you're on the real mission field. And so my concern is just the fact that we get this skewed perspective. Yeah, but he came to church with you. Yeah, he'll do that until he gets you. And then he's going to go back to what he really is on the inside. Rarely do they have an authentic transformation. They're in pursuit. And how many know when a guy's in pursuit, he'll do just about anything? And so we got to just look at the bait you're using. Look, look, look at the way you live your life. And look, a, a great marriage is not just about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. I got to become the right person. Look, become the right person and fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with God. And look, it affects every area of your life. It affects the way you dress. It affects the way you talk. It affects the places you go to. It affects the friends that you hang out with. And, and I guarantee you this, if you become a person with godly character, those that don't have godly character are not gonna be attracted to you. And so like attracts like. So we've got to make sure that we're developing godly character in ourselves. And when we're looking for someone, we're looking for someone with that same godly character. The second thing is they built godly trust. When you look at this relationship in verse 5, it says, Dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Here what we see is that a couple, are, they're getting to know one another and they're open up to each other about their insecurities. And what they're doing is they're loving one another through the insecurities that they have. And so they're building trust. 
They're building trust. When she says, look, my skin is dark. Now, I know you could read that in today's culture and you're like, hey, what's wrong, baby? Tans look good, you know? You might go to the tanning bed and that's kind of out now. Everybody uses tanning towels. And so you do all the tan towels because you think it's hot and it's awesome. But truthfully, back in that day, tans were not as attractive. What was more attractive was to have light, fair skin. Why? Because if you had light, fair skin, that meant you weren't outside abused by the sun. Look at verse six. It says, and he continues, or she says, do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. So I'm tan. I've been outside. I'm insecure about it. And look, she goes on to explain how she got tanned. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard, I had to neglect. So what she's saying, look, I neglected my body. I didn't take care of it like I needed to because I was out in the field. And so she has this insecurity about herself and she makes herself very vulnerable to her lover who is building trust with her. And he begins to love her through her insecurities. So when you're looking for someone, you're looking for someone, you're wanting to become the person that loves that person through their insecurities. And most people, when they start to explain and start to be vulnerable about the insecurities they have, how many of them, most of the time, it's physical insecurities. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, you begin to say, hey, look, I, I, I know you've seen me, but I need to make sure you see some things. I, I got a little bit of this Dunlap disease. Anybody got Dunlap disease? Your belly done lapped over your belt. <laughs> I mean, the shirt kind of hides it. You know, you didn't know I had to put an extender on my pants this morning. But guess what? My wife knows I got some Dunlap disease. You know, you got some cellulite on the back of your legs, lady. You got, you know, so you got these insecurities. Maybe you got these tall bird-like legs, and so you always wear pants. Or maybe your ears are a little bit bigger than normal. Maybe your nose is a little bit bigger. And so, so what we see in our life is that we need someone that we can build trust with. And regardless of physical or mental or emotional insecurities, we can open up with them, and they love us back. My, my wife is so good at this. In fact, she's done it since we've been married. Uh, she loves all of me, all of my fat rolls, all my Dunlap disease. And, you know, growing up, I, for some reason, I always had an insecurity about my weight. I mean, I don't know if everybody else does, but, you know, there are seasons in my life where I'm fit and I'm trim and I'm like, hey, that's awesome. But I could be as trim as you can get and still feel like, well, there's a little bit of fat right here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then there's seasons where I'm really fluffy. I just want to let you know, I ate too many brownies, had too much ice cream. I've let myself go. And usually it's when she was pregnant. So it was about a decade. I was really fluffy. You know what I mean? And she always had a sense of making me feel loved and accept. Never felt like I had to put on a shirt around the house. Never felt like I had to make myself something I would. In fact, she would make me so uncomfortable. At times, I wouldn't even think I was as fat as I was. I'm like, I look good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Why? Because we've got to grow in trust. You've got to find that person and become the person that grows in trust with the other. That, that hey, you can be insecure in areas. You can have some places that you're not confident in. But you know what? I'm going to boost your confidence. I'm going to help love you through that. I want you to feel safe. If I could say one word, it's just that. I just, you, you gotta find someone that makes you feel safe. The third thing they practice is godly standards. They had godly standards. Now look at verse seven. 
uh, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your field? Now, I know it's kind of cryptic the way they're talking to each other, but really what she's saying here is the veiled women that she's talking about used to give themselves to men for money. So they would go off and give themselves to men for a price. And what she's saying is, look, baby, I'm not like them. I don't care what they do. I don't care how cool it is or how many people are doing it. I'm not like that. I'm not going to give myself to a man to get his attention for a price. I'm not going to sell myself short. I have godly standards. And so she's talking about this. Now listen, number one, we have to have godly standards ourselves. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, you've got to only date someone that has godly standards as well. I'd get a better amen than that. Listen, you have to know that standards matter. And if you don't have any, then you're going to fall for anything. And look, I'm going to pause for just a second, and I want to talk about standards. And I understand what I'm about to say may seem a little archaic, a little out of touch, and not very popular with our culture. But we've got to know when it comes to sex in a relationship, God's original design for that was in the context of a marriage relationship. Uh, Now, now, now listen, I get it. Look, I'm your pastor. I'm not here to judge you. I I know there's people living however they grew up to live, and this is not to judge you. I just need you to know as we go into this, the standard for God, the standard for Christians is that we don't have sex outside the context of a married relationship that we hold ourselves pure and true. And look, let me just define marriage. Marriage in biblical terms is between one man and one woman. Look, we welcome everyone, we love everyone, but we cannot and will not skew the standard that God has set. And when we uphold the standard in our lives, now we have covenant relationship and we can call on the power of God to help us move forward in our relationship. Why? Because we're doing it right. We're doing it right. And really, when it comes to standards, there's really two options in relationship. And it's amazing. I was reading a survey even this week and getting ready and talking about online dating. Did you know that 33% of people that meet online on their first date have sex? Good Lord. I mean, that's like, hey, I've been talking to you a little bit. Hey, let's just go get real intimate real quick. I mean, it just shows you the state of where we're at. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. And and you're giving yourself to a person that doesn't even love you. You know who loves you? The God of this universe who created heaven and earth. He fashioned and formed you in your mother's womb. He loves you with all of his heart, which is why he created standards to protect you. And so really there's two options in relationships. You don't even have to be dating, but you're going to either stay pure and honor God We're going to, I look at it like this, look, true love waits. True love says, look, I'm going to put you first before me. And and yeah, I got these hormones that are raging. And look, I remember what it was like to be a teenager and a young adult. Man, you feel like you're about to bust. Let me tell you, you're not going to die. Ain't nobody ever died from not having sex. Come on, somebody. I'll get some amens from back here. You're not going to die. What you will be is protected. 
What you will is have a standard in your life that God will honor so that when you walk into your covenant relationship, God's going to say, look, I can bless this. You're going to have a, a, it's not going to be easy, but your grace, my grace will be sufficient for you. Why? Because you, you waited. Then the second option is, look, you can have sex and live in sin. And that's really it. And, and the latter is easier. Look, I, I get it. You know, a lot of times people will say, man, I can't believe you're, you're waiting. I can't believe you think there's one person for you. And you just look. You just say, I'm going to hold the standard. And when God blesses your marriage because of your purity, they will be looking at you saying, I wish I had what you have. Look at what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14. says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. For what fellowship do righteousness and wickedness have together? What do they have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? And what you got to understand is if you have standards and the person you're pursuing doesn't, they will always pull you down to theirs. So you have to say, look, that's why, look, you thought I was joking. Look, we're going to have match.com out at the cafe. I'm all about connecting people in the church. Why? Because at least you've got a standard. So raise yourself up and say, look, we're going to have standards in our relationship. You know, Phyllis and I, uh, I don't know, we, we hadn't told a lot of our story. We'll tell it at the end of this series. We're going to get up and share the stage together. And, but her and I dated when we were, she, we started dating when we were 14 and 15 and dated till we were 15 and 16. And uh, she was the first girl I was ever in love with. I had, you know, talked to a couple of other girls, but we dated for about a year and two months. And I went on a mission trip, a real mission trip, not a club mission trip, but a real mission trip. And God really spoke to me in one of the sessions that our relationship was headed down the wrong path. That if I really loved Phyllis and if I really loved God being that young, that I would break up with her because the only path, I mean, you know, when you're young and, and your hormones are raging and you're, you're like 15, 16, 17, I would encourage you maybe not to date because there's not a lot of paths that you can take. You know, you start to spend some time together, and how many know you can cross lines really, really quick? And so I came back from the mission trip, and I love Phyllis with all my heart, but the day I came back, the very first thing I did was break up with her. Oh, I broke her heart. I'm the only guy that ever broke up with her, which is probably why I married her. <laughs> and I remember the reason why I did it so quick was because I loved her so much, I knew she could talk me out of it. And she was mad at me. She wouldn't talk to me for like six months. And, but what I realized was that we were going to awaken love before it's time. And so I wanted to stay pure. Her and I had stayed pure in the relationship we'd just kissed. And lo and behold, five years passed. And now we're 20, 21 years old. And we reconnect. We'd stayed connected in the past. But we had made some wrong choices. She was engaged to a nightclub owner, and I was walking down that path with a girl I'd been dating for quite some time, and we both made some mistakes and wrong choices. And when we got back together, I realized that if I loved Phyllis, I wasn't going to allow this relationship to go down the wrong path. And so the very first thing we did when we got engaged, which was a cool story, we didn't even date. We went from being really great friends to we got engaged July 5th. Uh, 1999, was the first thing I told her is, hey, baby, let's don't kiss. Like, I just know me, and if we kiss, I mean, oh, kissing just turns into other things. Now, you probably have all the self-control in the world. I just know me, and I'm not. And I'm married now, so it's legal, but I'm just saying. So, 
And so we, we really vowed that, hey, this is, why? Because I loved her and I wanted to do it right. And I wanted this to be right. And, and so all is going well. We hold the standard. And you know how it is. You kiss on the cheek and you kind of play around and do all the different things. But we didn't kiss until one night. Everybody say one night. One night. We went to my granny's house and my granny has a hot tub. Come on, somebody. So we get in the hot tub. Got no business as unmarried people in a hot tub by yourself with your grandparents behind the blinds in the other place. <laughs> Granny should have been sitting by that hot tub. Said, I'm watching. Talk about Jesus. <laughs> but Granny wasn't there. And one thing led to another and just I started touching her leg and she scooted a little close. And then she kissed me and it happened and she just attacked me in the hot tub and it was crazy. I just had no self-control and it was just, we just blew our standard. But at least we had a standard, right? And it, it was, uh, but, but this is what, I don't even know why I told you, I just like to embarrass her. <laughs> that we committed to have a standard. Look, we didn't have sex till we got married. Now we messed up and kissed and you know, there were some other things, but, but what I realized was at least we were aiming towards something. How many people get into a relationship and you're not aiming towards purity, you're not aiming towards holiness, you're not aiming to try to keep yourself till you get married. And so we've got to make sure that as a couple, that individually, myself and the person I'm pursuing, that we are going to have godly standards in our life. And the last thing is this, they grew in godly encouragement. They grew in godly encouragement. So we can see consistent encouragement in this relationship. She's a little bit insecure about her skin. We read that earlier. But look at what happens in verse 9. It says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> so she just call, he just calls her an adult female horse. And <laughs> I know it needs a little bit of explanation, but this would have been a huge compliment because Pharaoh's horses were white. And they were majestic. And back in that time, they were actually considered to have godlike qualities and feature. They were heavenly, almost like an angel that fell out of heaven. And so he's complimenting her in this way where she's saying, look, my skin is burned out and I'm dark. He said, no, babe, you're like a white horse. You're pure. You're beautiful. I cherish you. All the flaws that you perceive, I do not see them. And so what he's doing is he's encouraging her. He's telling her, listen, you're the greatest thing since life's bread. And look at verse 15, says, how beautiful you are, my darling. So he just continues to encourage her. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. So they're staring into each other's eyes and your eyes are doves. Well, then now she reciprocates and look at what she says. Oh, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how handsome. So, so what we see is a picture of a life-giving relationship. We see him encouraging her. We see her encouraging him. And it just reciprocates back and forth. They're speaking life to each other in their life. And it's almost like when someone does that, it flips a switch inside of us where we thought we were a failure. Now we're like, man, I can tackle the world. It don't matter if I got Dunlop disease. My baby loves me. And I can wear a shirt that covers it up, right? It's, it's like, man, that encourages, the encouragement causes me to live life differently. 
You know, yesterday we were doing morning prayer. If you've never joined us at Saturday morning prayer, I want to encourage you to join in us. Uh, 8 a.m. and we, we had about 25, 30 people there and we're praying for today, praying for you guys, the new series. And I walk into the brand new campus and it was hot. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, I walk in, I hate anything that's hot. Anybody, like I already sweat. You think black's my favorite color, it just hides my sweat. Like I got about 27 shirts like this, why? Because I am hot natured and I sweat a lot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I walk in and, and, and I notice it's hot and uh, I asked Pastor Brian, I said, hey man, what's, what's going on? Well, he immediately comes up to me and he says, well, Pastor, you know, the air condition is broke. It's not working. I said, okay. I said, have we tried everything? He said, well, I think so. And he said, well, I'm going to call the AC guy. So he calls the AC guy and then we go on about the prayer and it is hot. And I ain't talking about Holy Ghost hot, fire of God hot. It's just hot. And I'm lethargic. I'm trying to pray. I had worn a nice shirt. I'm sweating everywhere and just... I'm like, oh, Jesus, let your, you know, just, just praying. Well, we had a meeting and went into the office where it was cool. And then about an hour later, Pastor Brian comes back and says, hey, Pastor, man, the AC is working. And so we walk inside to the AC and, and, and say, man, it feels good. Well, what was going on? He said, well, the reality is, look, there wasn't a mechanical problem. There was just a breaker problem. So somehow in the storm, the breaker got switched to off, and so everything's working properly. You know, the AC guy just went over there and he flipped the switch, and now it's cool and everything feels great and all is well. The AC was working, it just needed a flip of the switch. Well, see, I think that sometimes in our lives, the enemy beats us up. The enemy tells you you're a loser, you'll never amount to anything, that your life is a mess. And the truth is, our life is not broken, we just need a switch flipped. We just need someone to walk in like this AC guy, see Pastor Brian, we're hot. But he walks in and this is his deal. He's like, man, look, we got it. He flips the switch, AC's blown. We need someone in our life that can flip the switch to us, that when we feel like we're defeated, they encourage us and say, no, you're not defeated. You're not down and out. You're gonna get up. You're a champion. You're an overcomer. You can make it. You need someone to flip the switch in your life. I mean, have you ever had that where, where you, you lose your job? and you feel like a loser, but then you got that spouse or you got that person saying, oh baby, you ain't a loser. God's setting you up for promotion. Your best days are yet to come. They flip the switch in your life. Maybe you had a failed business and now you feel like you're a failure and they say, no, 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 baby, that's just a setup. You're learning what you need. God's gonna use you. You're gonna be a king. You're gonna have employees. You're gonna do great things in your life. Maybe you feel like, man, <laughs> I'm just fat. I'll never get in shape. Have you ever felt like that, man? I ain't never going. I just, I like the food too much. And they say, oh, baby, you, you know, you may have gained a few extra pounds. You ain't fat, you fluffy. You just like a teddy bear. And baby, I love teddy bears. And this teddy bear is going to get in shape. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Because you can walk around feeling defeated. Maybe you feel dumb. Have you ever felt just dumb like you did? Like that was, I took a test and I failed it and you're dumb. And you got someone that encourages you. They flip that switch in your life. They say, baby, you ain't dumb. You just don't test well. You a genius, baby. You're my genius. I love you. Yeah, you're, why? Because they have built themselves up to encourage you. 
And that's what we've got to have. We've got to have someone that says, little baby, I love you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to speak life and not death. That it doesn't matter. You may feel like your life is busted and broken and it's all over. But baby, your best days are yet to come. Why? Because they encourage you. They encourage you. So in our life, we've got to become people with godly character. We've got to have this open trust with one another. We have to raise the standard and we've got to live lives of encouragement. Let me just pray over us this morning. Father, we thank you. God, we worship you. God, we pray that in this moment, Lord, I'm asking you that regardless of how people walked in, God, that today they would feel lifted up. That God, maybe they've got wrong relationships. Maybe they've got some people or a person that they're pursuing. And even this morning realize, I gotta cut that off. God, would you help them do it? I believe there's some people this morning, maybe looking to get married, realizing that I'm not the right person. I've gotta become the right person. Lord, even marriages, I just pray in this series that God, you're gonna restore marriages. You're gonna, you're gonna heal homes where it's been dysfunctional, where people have been arguing and even pondering divorce. We come against divorce. God, we speak unity, we speak love, we speak hope, we speak endurance, that God, love is a choice and we choose love. We thank you for this, God. We worship you, God. We praise you, God. Now, I wonder this morning if there are some of you, you know, in this place that maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never confessed him as your Lord and Savior. This is such a sweet moment that, you know, before you can start to become the right person, before you can start looking for the right person, you've got to know the one that makes us right. Bible says we give him our sin and we take on his nature. We become the righteousness of God. And I love it in this moment, he's been working on your heart and you realize your life has not been in order, that he has not been the priority of your life. This is the moment to say, Jesus, I wanna put you first. Before anything else, I wanna surrender all that I am, all that I hope to become, I wanna give it to you. And with nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, I wonder, if that's you, if you just raise up your hand, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer with us, but I, just as an act of surrender, say, Jesus, that's me. I wanna surrender everything to you. I wanna give it all to you right now, just in this moment, just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor, I'm gonna pray with you. Come on, I see, come on. Just raise it up high, say, Pastor, right now, I wanna give him everything. I wanna give him my life. And come on, church, tell him how proud you are of him. So amazing. So what are we gonna do? We're just gonna pray this prayer together. I believe it's the prayer that saves you, but the condition of your heart, just with all of your heart, say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord, be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. I give everything to you. All of my hopes, all of my dreams, my future, I surrender it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, worship God this morning. Yeah!